Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the show. Today, we're talking about releasing and healing from childhood trauma with Brooke Bounds. My name's Chris Sutton. This is Mental Conversations. I'm sure I can be so Boom, and we're live. Um, so I'm sat looking at the beautifully smiley face of Brooke Bounds. Um, Brooke, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to meet you. I've been, I've been really looking forward to this because um, we've, we've both said to each other about how we deal with like complex and difficult and challenging conversations, but we like to bring a little bit of levity to it. So to mm. make it not quite so difficult for people to digest. Um, and that's always, I just always find it a relief to talk to someone like that. So so when I reached out to you, we were talking about um, releasing and healing from childhood trauma. Um, yeah. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your your own personal experience? Yeah, um, of course, um, so I sort of specialise in like childhood trauma and narcissistic mothers. Um, I grew up with a narcissistic mother and my life kind of really started up in a very traumatic way. Now, I didn't come into the world nice and smoothly either, you know, and I was sort of joke about this, you know, that my mother always said that she hated me and she hated me at that point of birth that actually as I was being born, I was being strangled because the cord was wrapped around my neck. So that's oh, wow. kind of the the idea of how much she actually hated me that I, I, she was trying to kill me as I was symbolistic being born. That, yeah yes. <laughs> yes so um and hence the kind of like sort of humor I kind of use because it's it helps people to deal with that thinking you know that my trauma started immediately even before I was born but you know and, and it it just carried on there with her being a narcissist that her having a child that that wasn't um perfect in her eyes was was horrendous because having the cord wrapped around my neck caused complications and it created me having like a, my right side was weaker than my left mm-hmm. and the doctor said that um I wouldn't probably walk and if I did I wouldn't be able to ride a bike or run because my right side would be too weak to hold the handlebar and push the pedals around right. um but I didn't get that memo <laughs> nobody told me that bit about I couldn't walk I did learn to walk I was a bit later in life and then um when we went back to the hospital and I learned to uh, show the doctor I could walk, um, I, I used to have kind of a bit of a limp on the, the right side when I was like tired and stuff, but that, that was okay because I still got around and I was fine. Yeah. And um, then he said, oh, well, that's really great. You're re- really impressed that she's actually managed to walk. But And I was about five at the time, but she, they said she wouldn't be able to ride a bike because there's no way she'll be able to push the pedals around. With, well, she could do it right with her left foot, but her right foot's not going to be mm-hmm. a leg and I, I remember standing there going, I will, you know, and I'll come back and show you. And with that, my mother shot me a look and I thought, I'm in trouble. Hmm. And that was kind of the the real beginning of, of my complete change in personality because I was a very determined child because I wasn't having somebody tell me I couldn't do these things, even if they were a big, tall adult, you know, who do, who do they think they were sort of thing? And yeah. That was my kind of attitude. But when we got home, because – I sort of defied the doctor. She went absolutely mad at me and, and and laid into me and said to me, how dare you show me up in front of the doctors? And I can remember curling up into a little ball thinking, I need to stay small to stay safe. And that was kind of like my five-year-old version of thinking. And I then turned into a very shy, quiet little girl who was scared of everything. So I was mm. too scared to speak out, too scared to say anything, because what if she did that again? Because I don't know what I did wrong. I thought, 
you know, I thought she'd be happy if I was walking and being in, because I was always constantly told that I didn't even have the audacity to be born properly. So oh, it's like, you know. it's, it's, you know, the, the, there's so much there, Brooke, and it, it's like, so there's so much there that kind of springs things into my mind. And it's, you know, that where you bring that vision of like, getting into a ball to stay safe and then you explain to us about how that you know that kind of shyness and that staying quiet it it's the the frightening thing is as well as the actual having to go through that experience is that you you then take those coping mechanisms and you it's very hard to shake them off isn't it into like Mm. adulthood and then and you kind of you define yourself by the words that your grown-up says to you because you trust that what they say is right and is the right thing because that's that's the way it is they're they're your from from birth they're your reference point in how you do things and so for you to then how you know live with that from when you're five or even maybe beforehand with other you know memories that you don't um have but things that happened um you know don't have in your conscious mind that it just all, all kind of plays forward for you doesn't it absolutely because it, it's it's funny that we're doing this um in february actually because i i could do my facebook lives in my group i was absolutely fine and my coach said do one on your on your personal profile like, oh, no i can't be seen because what you know that's too dangerous that that's scary to me mm. and i thought i can't do that and the first time i did a facebook live in my, in my personal profile i was I'm not great at tech any, but, but I was such a, a free state. I couldn't think, and I got the camera around the wrong way. So everybody just saw my carpet. And again, bringing the humor in, and I said, oh, my goodness, I'm going to do this now because I've said I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm glad I've hoovered today because all you're going to see today is my carpet. And I got the message out, and it was like, oh. And I couldn't work out why my heart was pounding so much and why I felt like that. But the thing was, that I had people contact me after saying, I can so relate to that. I'd love to have you as a coach because you're yeah. so relatable. You're making mistakes and, and you're letting us know that that you you can still do things and that you're mm-hmm. all right. But you know, so every February now, I do a Facebook Live every day in February because I, I after that, I thought, right, I'm going to do a Facebook Live one for a month. I thought, I'll pick February because it's the least amount of days. Uh, the yeah, minimal limit. good idea. But after that, I started getting clients because I share about my, my work and I share – my one and only joke I've got, um, I'm not great at telling jokes, and I share my personal life and stuff as well, you know, different things that I've been through and and where I've come from and that. So people get to know Brooke the person rather than Brooke the, the trauma coach. Brilliant. And it's and it's quite interesting. But I had this fear of if I speak out as an adult, I was going to get into trouble. Now, mm-hmm. logically, I knew that that wouldn't happen because I knew I was safe and my mother was miles away, but my body was reliving that story because it went back to being that six-year-old. And and that's what I do is I help people to release that trauma and heal from that so their bodies don't keep reliving that that fear of that trauma. Interesting. I see. Because, I mean, there's – so in terms of that giving something of yourself, that personal story, it's an amazing way for people to learn is by, mm. you know, telling people about yourselves, about yourself. And especially – showing that vulnerability of ah i've kind of fumbled the camera and i've put it the wrong way around and like you know it's because especially more than anything how you respond to that 
in that moment mm-hmm. and how you go, oh, look, you know, okay, that happened. We're going to carry on. And uh, how brave you were to actually do that. Because you know, some, yeah. some people would, you know, some people would see that and go, oh, whatever, I made a mistake. And they just carry on. And then for yeah. other people, it's like, ah, you know, I was already worried about this and now look what i've done and then yeah. you could relive it in your mind a thousand times a day and be like i'm an and absolute. i did yeah and it's <laughs> but, and it's but horrible the thing is making those mistakes i now tell my clients about it, and this is like years ago and i'm still telling that story and every time i make a mistake and like when i'm doing a facebook live so sometimes i do walk in facebook lives and i if i don't tell my wife i have i tend to connect to other people's but the internet keeps cutting in and out and i'll, I'll go oh my goodness i forgot to tell my wife i have that's going to be another story that I'm going to post about or another Facebook live another day. And yeah. one day I did that and my battery died as well. So I came back home, charged my phone up and then did a Facebook live about all the different mistakes I made. So people in it and they were like, thank you. It's given us permission to, to make those mistakes. It's okay because growing up, you know, especially if you've had a traumatic childhood, it was scary to make mistakes because you got into trouble either physically or, or, mm. or verbally abused. You know, yeah. so it's a big, scary thing. Like you said, people take into their adulthood with it and they they know. And I actually did a Facebook Live yesterday about why do I feel so stuck, even though I know my stuff? Because it is, you know, logically, people have got the skills, they've got the life experiences, but when they go to do it, they go, oh, and it's like there's a brick wall in front of them and they can't move forward. And it's mm. because their bodies are still that fit, re- remembering that being like a six-year-old child being in trouble and how traumatic that felt. So the body does things, and it's called protector parts that come in to protect the the little inner child mm. so she feels safe. And so, you know, it's like when people procrastinate, it's a what's called a procrastination part. So if you can imagine that you've got your adult self, your true self, you've got your inner child, and then you've got this procrastination part that comes in. Well, that procrastination part is coming in to protect the inner child who feels not good enough, not worthy, not lovable, or not important. So it's it's although it's painful to procrastinate because you want to move on, it's less painful than feeling that feeling of not feeling good enough or not feeling lovable. So that procrastinator part will come in to protect you, and it's a, a survival mecha- coping mechanism. It's yeah, I I I really like that. It, that that makes a lot of sense to me actually. I I mean I I um, will often say I procrastinate. You know that's my kind of that's yeah, my trademark. I like it. But but the couple of times you've mentioned about your body talking to you, so and and about and you know when so I've I did a whole raft of like cognitive behavioral therapy and I, you know and I, and it did nothing for me to be fair mm. and I and but I but I know why it did nothing for me and it's a little bit embarrassing it's because I didn't do the work. <laughs> you know i went yeah, to the sessions yeah i went to the sessions and i was like yeah this is where you you fix me this was my mindset at the time it's quite a long time ago it's like this is where the therapist fixes me and i go on my way so every week i'll go and get a bit more fixed and i'll go on my way and every week the therapist was saying right and now when you go home i'd like you to do this like all week write this worry diary or do this exercise or try and challenge your thoughts here or there and i was like mm, that's not not what I would thought I would be doing and and I wasn't as engaged in my own development Mm. as I as I am now so so I'm not by any means saying that CBT doesn't work I'm saying that for me when I did it officially it wasn't it wasn't a great experience for me however one of the things that I really learned from it was that relationship between your thoughts your feelings and your behaviors 
And it was interesting. Someone said to me, you know, so what happens when you, when something that you would be afraid of approaches, you know, either in time or physically, you know, what happens first? Is it a thought or is it a feeling or is it a behavior? And instantly I was like, oh, it's a feeling for me. It's going to be different for different people. And I just found that fascinating. And I think that's what you're kind of, my comprehension of what you said is that your body is speaking, you know, before you're actually thinking logically and going through a process, you can feel it. You have that sensation. If you think about it, if if you're walking down a dark alley and you hear a noise, you instantly go, (gasps) okay, your Mm. body reacts. And then you think, I need to run or fight. Okay, you've got a fight, flight reaction or freeze and mm. stay small and hope they don't see me you know if if it's a giant monster whatever your imagination's imagining it's probably a bag blowing about and nothing there at all but that's the instant the minute you go and you and you're like your shoulders go up or, or your heart rate moves slightly it sends a signal to your subconscious mind to say uh-oh danger mm. even if it's perceived danger because it could be a carrier bag or, or something blown about in the wind it couldn't even you know you know walking down a dark alley you probably imagine it's like you know a you know, a, a, an attacker or somebody with a knife or you know whatever, yeah, but nothing yeah. that is there. So it's the perceived danger, and it's exactly the same as if you're sitting in front of your computer, ready to do like a Facebook live, and you go, <gasps> and it's like it's sub- because we get eighty to eighty-five percent of the signals go from our body to our mind, and only fifteen to twenty from our mind to our body. There because the minute we go, <gasps> it's like the subconscious mind is automatically looking for danger around even mm. if it's only perceived danger, because it, obviously, you, you know, I'm not going to teach you to suck eggs, but our subconscious mind's job is to keep us alive and keep us safe. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's not there to keep us like sort of like happy. So, but if you're just sitting there having a drink with a few friends, you feel relaxed and calm and, and you're okay to talk and to chat and stuff. But, you know, suddenly if there's a big bang and you've had childhood trauma, you'll go, <gasps> And, you know, it could be a bin lid going down sort of from next door. Yeah, absolutely. You could think it's like when I first got with my husband, he was very, very light on his feet because I had complex PTSD from my childhood. And you have to come down upstairs through our front room into our kitchen. And I was in the kitchen making a cup of tea. And I thought he was upstairs. But because he's light on his feet, you come down the stairs, and you come to the kitchen and go, oh, thanks for that cuppa. And I would go, <gasps> you know, my yeah. arms would go, and he's like, oh, my goodness. But now he's got to the stage, I mean, I've, I've dealt and healed a lot of that, but now once he gets to the front room door, he go, just to let you know I'm heading to the kitchen because <laughs> he doesn't want to, like, have that huge reaction from me. <laughs> Absolutely, but, yeah. I'm in no danger Scary. because my husband's completely safe, but that's my body was thinking, <gasps> there's a, and it a is, strange noise, what's and, happening? And it's genuine, uh, genuinely scary, you know, that yeah. it is. I've, I mean, you've, you've given me an amazing um, Dragon's Den idea. So, you know, I think human bells, you know, you should get a bell for him around his neck uh, for when he's coming downstairs <laughs> so yeah. you can hear him coming. Um, but, but, but yeah, you, you, and it is your body that has the reaction, is the yeah. point, isn't it? Is that you kind my of. my mind, I know I'm perfectly safe with my husband. Yeah. He's a wonderful, loving, caring husband. But my body at the time, I mean, I don't react to much like that because I've doubted. I mean, we've been married quite a while, but, but it was, you know, that my, body going back to that little six-year-old when my mum used to jump out at me yeah. and attack me so it was like my body was oh that's not safe there's a voice a sudden voice you know 
oh, that's not safe. So it sends a signal to my subconscious mind. I need to do something. It's like, okay, right. And my, and my fist would be up ready to like, okay, I'm going to, wow. and then it's like, okay, right. Relax. It's just yeah. my lovely you have to tell yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's him. Yeah. So, so, so where I'm really fascinated in, in this now is if, so, so those people out there listening to this that will be like, oh, well, I don't remember any specific moments or some trauma, traumatic experiences necessarily from my childhood. But actually, I really recognize what Brooke's saying. You know, I really recognize that actually, yeah, I behave in a certain way if, if you know, in certain situations now as, a, as an adult. Um, so how do you go about You've you've said it a couple of times, and I've written it down from when we were arranging this about releasing it. Yes, yeah. you know how how does one do that? Because I and the and the reason I'm really like fascinating that is completely selfish reasons. Um, because so I so I had a very loving upbringing, and yet, um, was consumed with worry and anxiety even as a child, and would always be described as a worrier. And as, as like a self-fulfilling prophecy would be, you know, always describe myself as a worrier, as an adult, mm-hmm. and I don't anymore. But, 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 you know, I remember even up to like 10, 15 years ago being like, oh, you know, I'm Chris, I'm a worrier. That's who I, that's part of who <laughs> I am. And, and then it, you know, so it manifests because, well, that's who I am. It's part of my identity. So there are differences and similarities there with, with, our, with us and where we've got to in, you know, where we are as adults and but not necessarily how we've got but some people might not even know where it's come from so how do you do that work that helps people to release that trauma um very good question um i use sort of several different tools and one of them i use is brain spotting which is an amazing amazing tool which is basically um it's how where you spot things with your with your eyes because obviously the eyes are attached to your your brain and it mm. actually goes into the amygdala where where the fight flight um trauma is stored and it helps to re- to release it so when i do brain spotting with people they'll be like oh i've got this image of this and 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 it'll all come out and it's like they don't know ne- necessarily what it means and they'll feel things in their body and they'll they'll notice a difference and there's other things i do like um somatic reprogramming oh um, that sounds basically. good tell me about what's that I know it's great. It, it's basically how you you help reparent your inner child. So the things that you didn't get as a child, even though you know, with people that have had a lovely upbringing, it's lovely to hear that you've had a lovely upbringing. But if one of your parents was probably a worrier, or your grandparents, because we, as children we learn much more by watching what people around us do than mm. what they actually say. You know, like I work a lot with um, women who always put everybody else first. It's like, you know, so what did your mother do? What did your grandmother do? So it's like, it can be trauma from that response. Like, oh, I can't go and do what I want to do in my business because our family's always had a nine to five job or I can't do a nine to five job because our family's always, you know, so. Yeah. And I also had like one client, I remember that she um, had an issue with money, but she had lovely parents. She said, I don't, I don't get where my traumas come from. So when we sort of chatted about it, her parents used to give her pennies every time she job done jobs around the house. Well, she perceived that as I'm only worth pennies. Oh, wow. What our parents were trying to do was teach her the value of money. But, you know, what we, what yeah. our parents try to do with us and how we perceive it, it's not the event that's the trauma, it's how we see it 
and how we keep replaying it in our mind over and over again. So with you, you kept yourself being a warrior by saying, hi, I'm Chris, I'm a warrior. Whereas Mm. I work with my clients, I would never ever say you were a warrior. You had a worrying part that would come in to protect your inner child, Mm. which is a whole different thing. So it's like, okay, what parts come in today? And I, I see people as parts and I get very curious. So if I see somebody really angry and heading towards me, I used to think before I worked on my trauma, what have I done to upset them? Oh my goodness, they look so angry. What did I say to them last time? They're coming, oh my goodness, you know, it's all about me. But now mm. if I see somebody angry, I think, I wonder what what's caused their angry part to show up. What's their inner child feeling not good enough, not lovable, not not yeah. important or not worthy for their angry part to show up? Because if you think about it, when we've, we've got an inner child that's got, we've got our inner child wound, it's like an actual literal wound on your arm. Your protector part is like a, a plaster or a band-aid, depending on who's listening in the audience, that is is covering it so it, so nobody can poke at it, so it can't bleed anymore. It's protecting it. And that's why, you know, a lot of people will self-sabotage or they'll emotionally eat. Like, yeah. I go to do something, I'll go eat instead. It's a distraction, you know, although it's painful to be maybe emotionally eating because they're overweight and that's not doing them any good. It's less painful than feeling that inner child wound, I'm not feeling good enough. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's fascinating. There's so much there that will be helpful to people. I'm so grateful for you sharing that. The, you know, the, one of the things that you said that, that piqued my interest as well is that bit around, I've heard people say to me before, um, you know, or I've asked the question, you know, why does it keep coming up though? You know, why does it keep coming up? And it's, it's along the lines of what you said, which is that at some point or other, you know that getting getting small into a ball, that acting quiet, that served you well. Yeah, you know yeah. it really served you well, and so you kind of go, your instincts go go to that place that yeah. served you well previously in that experience. It's my safety place. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I re- I really like that. I and I and I th- I think actually having an understanding, you know, just listening to this and thinking, oh. Okay, maybe I can question the way I'm dealing with this, and yeah. it's a lovely thing to to think about. Um, <laughs> you know, when someone if someone comes at you and they've got a face like thunder, I just, like I'll just to give you an, an example because this is a lovely little story. Um, I was running a peer to peer support session, a mental health session, um, in the 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 organisation I work for, and um, there were about forty people there. And I was explaining how I was going to break them down into four groups of 10, four different tables, and then they could have smaller conversations. And and it was an, op, you know, I, I think I put some like prompts up on the board of what they might want to talk about. And it was a specific subject that I'd, I'd chosen for that week. But I said, you can talk about anything. Um, and we're going to go into these smaller groups. And I said a few stupid things to try and set the mood quite light. And I tried to try to be funny. And, um, you know, which I can imagine most of the room would have been in hysterics. But there was one guy who was just face like thunder. He just had a face like thunder. And I remember for some reason he had a high vis jacket on. And and uh and I was like, oh this this guy just hates me. He just hates me. I couldn't like I was like trying not to look at him, but I just kept getting drawn back to him because his face was just so you know, I don't want to be here. I don't you know, you're you're talking a load of rubbish. Why am I even here? Kind of thing. 
And then I didn't join the table where he was sat during the session, probably deliberately when I think about it now. And after the session, he came over to me and I remember like stopping breathing. I like held my breath and his face changed from this, you know, resting face like thunder, if that's an expression, to just this massive smile. And he was just like, thank you so much. That I'm so glad I came. It was really, really helpful. And I was like, I've just spent an hour <laughs> thinking this guy looks like he might hit me at the end of this. And you, you can't make those assumptions, can you? You've got mm. to find out, you know, you've got to ask the question or even if they are not happy question, well, I, well, what's going on in their world? Get curious. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got a, a sort of story that I tell is quite similar. Um, years back, about 30 years ago, I used to work in the ca- uh, checkout in the supermarket and I was a, a huge people pleaser and I couldn't bear the thought of anybody not not liking me. And so I would do anything I could to, to make people smile, make mm. people love me, because it was just, it would hurt my inner child wound and not feeling good enough. And I had this little old lady come through. She's in her 80s, tweed jacket, matching earrings, you know, pearl earrings, necklace, all made up, you know, very, like, a very lovely lady. She came through my checkout and she had like a face like thunder. But what have I done to upset her? My instant reaction, what have I done to upset her? Oh my goodness, I'm going to be really chatty to her. I, I want her to like me. I can't, I can't have her not liking me. And I went home and told my partner, oh my God, this, this lady come through and she wouldn't smile. She wouldn't hardly talk. I don't know what I've done. And then kind of like forgot about it as a week went on the next week, same time, same day. Oh God, that lady's coming through. Oh my God, please don't come in. And she came through my checkout again. I'm like, what, what? Does she got a vendetta against me? Does, does she hate me that much? She really wants me to feel uncomfortable. What? So I smiled again, chatted away, you know, as I do. Nothing. This went on for four or five weeks. I thought, oh. and she come through my checkout every week. And I just dread going into work that, that day, that time, thinking, oh, here she comes. Yeah. And then on the, 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 about the fifth or sixth week, she, she came through my checkout with a big bouquet of flowers because you buy them in the supermarket. I thought, right, got her. It's got to be her birthday. She's got to be celebrating something. She's going to chat to me. Oh, God, at this time, and I'm inside. I'm like really, really excited thinking, oh. And what she said next did knock me over with a feather. It actually made me speechless. And as you can probably tell, I'm quite good at chatting. I said, oh, what beautiful flowers. Is it your birthday or is it a friend's birthday? She said, no, my dear, they're for you. And I actually went, uh, but, uh, but. and that's all the words I could get out. And she said, you don't didn't realise this, my dear. She said, but you have been so helpful these last five or six weeks. She said, my husband has been at end of life care. And the only time oh. I got out was to come and do my shopping. And I quickly cottoned on that no matter how I felt, you were smiley, you were chatty, you kept me going. But I couldn't tell you about it because I didn't want to cry in the supermarket but I've composed myself enough to be able to tell you so I wanted to come in and say thank you very much for for helping me because you are amazing Amazing. so it's like that's I was running the story she hates me what have I done wrong because my my um inner child wounds of not feeling good enough my people please and she was running the story what an amazing wonderful young woman you know smiling chatty you know even uh, no I'm not smiling chatty she's still being smiling chatty with me so from from then on forward it was like I always get curious what's going on behind that person's eyes what's going on in their world for them to to act that way that is it get curious get curious is the learning there isn't it what a lovely story anything else from this is like this podcast is Get curious about other people because when you get curious about other people, you're not taking it inward. Mm-hmm. You know, I do a thing where I stand on stage and say to everybody, 
I'm going to say something now that none of you are going to believe. And that's a big sweeping statement, even though there's hundreds of you in the audience. And they're all like, what's she going to say? And I'm going to watch your facial expression when I say this. And I say, you're all purple aliens. <laughs> yeah. And I get that kind of look from people's face. So they like to be like, okay, where's Brooke going with this? I thought she was kind of like a fairly sane person. But because your belief system is that you're not a purple alien, you threw it straight back at me like, where's Brooke going with this? Yeah. But if I said to you, oh, Chris, you look a bit worried today, you'd be like, oh, do I look what? Is it showing that I'm worried? Because you're probably get my I probably get my worry list out of my pocket and go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your your belief system is that you are a warrior. So you took that straight in internally to you and you didn't think that it was anything to do with me. But because that's your belief system, and it's a great way of working at your belief system and how your beliefs work and mm. um, what you actually believe. Because when somebody says something and you get triggered, it's because you believe that about yourself somewhere deep down. So that's, and I get my clients to celebrate that because it helps them to realize, okay, that's where I need to work. Thank yes. you very much for, for showing that up for me. And I can now start to work on that. I, lo- I love that because so th- there's a good example of that, I think, for in, in children. You know, so so I have two children and I'm always like repeatedly saying to them, you know, just calm down from this bickering. Like, why you, you know, what what's the, not why, I try to avoid the word why, but I'm like, what's the purpose of you having these little arguments with each other? What are you getting from it? You know, and they they can't really answer it, but they, I think children, Mm -hmm. siblings like to, you know, one-upmanship or whatever it is. And I know from personal experience or in my own investigations of it psychologically that it's about, well, if I don't get, if, if I don't get to sit next to daddy, then I'm not good enough. And it all, it all kind of comes down to that being good enough. And I want to kind of shake them and go, you are good enough. And maybe if you get to sit in the front of the car this time, you know, great for you but if you don't just be happy for your sister and you'll have a go next time like but you are good enough don't you yeah. know that's not something you need to be thinking we could do a whole about. new program about how that works and why they do that <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> right that's next time and it and 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 for, and for me it is, it is about that kind of realization that that's the pattern you're running so you know back to the supermarket and the flowers and the lady it's you're telling yourself this no one else is telling you no you know and you might be able to argue in your own mind well yes someone else is telling me her face is telling me no her face is doing something and i think that opportunity to be the way that i feel about myself exactly so the opportunity to be curious about it rather than making assumptions and going this is the way i need to feel about this Mm. and i think it's another good example of how you can make those tweaks around, um, you know, releasing from those traumas and about challenging yeah. those behaviors is to go, ah, got one. I got one. I've got one. I've caught it. I'm thinking negatively about this. I'm thinking this is going to happen, but I don't know it is. I'm just yeah. thinking that. So actually, let's see how this plays out if I'm just curious about it. So that would be my and challenge. I in the body because I, I get people to, to tell me how they feel because like me feeling that up uh, you know I'd upset is like my heart was pounding my palms were sweaty that I was really tense so every time I just seeing her when she came in the supermarket the second or third time I'd go like this you know really mm. tense up 
you know, so my body was reacting to it. And then I, oh, you know, and I'd get a headache, you know, yeah. the stress would come out because because of all the things that I was running in, in my system from my childhood, being told that, you know, I'm always upsetting people. It's always my fault, you know, and things are happening. Yeah. And it's like it was that system that was running for me. And and I've had it described, I've had this described to me um, in like a therapy session, I'm sure, about how you have this like, you know, how your the connectivity of your synapses, you know, and how you'll be like, something that you run over and over and over again from when you were a yeah. child is like if if you start out with this really tall field of wheat you know and you have to get through that any kind of thought you have you have to kind of battle your way through it but every time you go through the same part the same part of the field it flattens mm. the, the the wheat down well for me the kind of some of the worrying things is like a super highway now it's four lane it's a four yeah. lane motorway and it's flat as you like and you can go 100 mile an hour no problem but the bit that goes nah 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 you're a legend you're fantastic you don't need to worry about this yeah. stuff that's still overgrown over there and it's quite hard yeah. to walk through and the, you know? the thing is if you if you keep walking on that that you're a legend you're a legend that will end up being your four lane exactly. highway and the four lane highway will go overgrown and i often say it in a, in a different way like you know just imagine that your mind is like a a field that you walk back and forth I'm not good I'm not good and you've got a rut but if you stop walking that and start thinking actually I'm good at this I'm yeah. good at this and you you create a new neuro pathway and then so my beliefs have completely changed because I used to think oh it's my fault I'm not good enough to actually oh it's it's nothing to do with me what's happening in their, their world because I had that belief every day I was told constantly Nobody would love me. She hated me. Hmm. Nobody would want to listen to me. Everybody would laugh at me that I was never going to be any good at anything. So when you hear that day in, day out as a child and the top of the fact that I wasn't even that great because I didn't even have the audacity to be born properly. I couldn't even do that properly. So why right. could I do anything else in life properly? So that was really ingrained in my mind up until I started doing the work and changing how, and now, you know, because my mum told me I was ugly every day. And when I had a, a, a coach said, sit in front of the mirror and say you're beautiful. And I went, I'm and mm. I never, ever had a stutter. But my, my mind was going, no, you're not. You're ugly. What are you doing that for? We know you're ugly. Just get on with life. Yeah. And I, when I was younger, I thought I need to have a personality, fun and laughter, because people aren't going to like me for my looks, but they might like me for my personality. That's why I, I you know, the laughter and the fun of my personality comes into play. Well, you can you can have you can have it for free. That I think the very first thing I said on this podcast was, "I'm looking at the beautiful smiley face of Brooke Bounds." <laughs> I did notice that. Yes, thank you. So, and, and I just smiled because years ago I'd have been like, "What's he on about? I'm not beautiful." But uh, in my head, I'm like, yeah, "Thank you." You know. So you know, we're 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 coming to we're running out of time. We're coming to the end. I think you know there's so much there that people will be able to take away from our conversation i'm so grateful that you've shared it i'd love you to come back on and talk about something else with us um you know and especially maybe around childhood as well and i, th I think that you know one of the big takeaways is people out there you, you can change you don't have to have those same thoughts and a lot of it is the way you're thinking um if people want to follow you said about facebook and things how do they get how do they uh, reach out to you um they can Friend press me on um, Facebook, Brooke Bounds. That's B O W N E S. I am the only one, Brooke Bounds, quite an unusual name. Or they can, um, if they're uh, for ladies, they can come and join the confidence community. And it's confident to be you, to be seen, um, to be heard, and have fun. 
Fantastic. Um, and also, if anybody wants to email me at brooke at brookebounds.com, I answer all my emails personally. And I I also offer like a, a free complimentary call for anybody who wants to have a chat with me as well. So if Amazing. they're listening and want to have a call with me, I can, I can give you the, all the links. And, um, yeah, we'll put them in there. We'll put them in there. But look, thank you. Thank you so much, Brooke. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, thank you. And thank you guys out there for listening. As always, another episode will be winging its way to you soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>